the audible of the best in Bitcoin. This is the Crypto Economy. What is up, crew? Welcome back to the show. I'm Guy Swan, and we are jumping into a quick read today. Uh, another from Bitcoin Magazine, and this one is by Colin Harper. Uh, he is a regular writer over there, uh, and he covers a lot of, uh, well, actually, a pretty broad range of stuff, actually. Um, but this is about an, uh, an identity system. I'm not sure if you guys heard, but Microsoft... Uh, is actually working with CASA on this project um, in some way. Uh, I don't think any details have been revealed on this yet, but this is uh, Microsoft's ION, which is a decentralized identity system that they are hoping to uh, build out in the Bitcoin ecosystem. So let's go ahead and jump into the article, and then we'll hit Guy's take afterward. Microsoft's ION is an open-source bet on Bitcoin by Colin Harper. Open source development has always enjoyed a little juice from the private sector. One of the most notable examples is Red Hat Software, a multi-billion dollar corporation that has built open source software for the international community. It was purchased by IBM in 2019 but still carries out its original function. Microsoft is another example of a highly profitable private company that releases open-source software. The computer monolith has helped to maintain the Linux source code for some time. It supported the software on its Azure Cloud program and eventually integrated the Linux kernel into its own OS. The company also has an affinity for Bitcoin, apparently. As we covered in the spring of 2019, Microsoft has tasked a development team to build a decentralized identity system on top of Bitcoin. Dubbed ION, the second-layer network, like Bitcoin's Lightning Network, will feature its own node structure to complement Bitcoin's own and will be completely open source. Project lead Daniel Bushner believes that this system could unlock a radical new methodology for digital ownership and online credentials. Bitcoin Magazine sat down with Bushner to discuss the project, what prompted Microsoft to pursue it, and what the future of the internet with digital IDs will look like. Selling Microsoft on Bitcoin Bitcoin Magazine Microsoft has had a long-standing tradition with open-source projects, so how did ION become part of that legacy? Was it a hard sell to get Microsoft building on Bitcoin? Bushner I started the group that works on decentralized IDs, DIDs, at Microsoft. There are some tactical things we had to do. For the DIDs to really be a reality, you have to make them capable of standing up to the volumes that you expected. So often when you see this piloted, it's with a few hundred participants and it works fine. But when you start thinking about having to deploy it on the scale that we want to, 1.5 billion people, you crunch the calculations and you realize it's not going to work. So for us, Bitcoin was a necessary condition for success. The reason it wasn't a super hard sell was that it was something we had to have and we knew we couldn't own it. We wanted something that was differentiated and decentralized, because otherwise we could do this with a database like Azure. So it's actually a business problem. 
We currently can't issue digital IDs that are owned by the user and not a company. It's not just because we want to do the right thing, but it's right from a business perspective. With Bitcoin, one of the biggest elements of this, and this did take some understanding, was security. All of those other use cases being possible is actually a symptom of no one controlling it. What we really made our decision based on was the decentralized nature plus the security. It's the cost of attack and how you order transactions that's important. When we started crunching the numbers, we realized that Bitcoin was the only chain that would probably be too costly to attack. Bitcoin Magazine So was Microsoft pretty ready to support this when it realized it could leave all of the rest of Bitcoin's use cases behind and just focus on the base layer security and timestamping? Bushner It became easier when it got down to dollars and cents. We said, here are the attack vectors within the realm of possibility. Here are all the different technologies in the stack. Look, if you take away all of what the news media or what people say about how these technologies are used, you have empirical data. The options and choices became pretty clear because it's just about hard numbers. There are still subjective fears, but at the end of the day, security is security is security. Bitcoin Magazine What does Microsoft get out of building open source software? Bushner It's not selfless. I mean, we're doing it for the right reasons, but we have to have a scalable system for DIDs that is viable at the implementation scale we require. We looked around, and that just wasn't there. It's kind of like a secondary benefit. Because this exists, we can do a credential use case. Something like LinkedIn could have credentials that back it so that you don't have a bunch of fake accounts. We will not actually derive any economic benefit. But operational costs are low enough that it will be a very small cost compared to other identity services we run. The Importance of Bitcoin-Based Decentralized IDs Bitcoin Magazine With that example in mind, could you speak to the importance of DIDs for the internet and its users? Bushner Everything in the world you see around you today, there are few cases of true digital identity. People are used to accounts, but that's not really identity. That's a password to get into someone's server somewhere. Your accounts are not yours. Your email is not yours. If those companies disappear, those are gone. The issue becomes you can't have legal, personal, and business assurance of the continuity of anything tied to those accounts. Imagine the moral hazard if I had an email address tied to something like an important benefit, like a UN food allotment or a bank. If the company in the middle of that went away, or even just didn't like me, they could sever me from the important proofs in my life that could attest to those accounts. Bitcoin is important, but decentralized ID could be more important. Who needs decentralized money if, with the stroke of a pen, they can cut you off from the proofs you need to board an airplane? So, we did it for a business purpose to create IDs that could have things like legal documents attached to them. So, LinkedIn is one example. A lot of fakes are set up, especially with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency people. So you could imagine the practical benefit if they are able to get non-human proofs to prove that you are a human. That's radical. That's an incredible thing for businesses. If you're a recruiter, 
Wouldn't you rather search through job listings where people are verified so you don't have to wait two weeks for background checks? I think if you look back in 20 years, you're going to think that it's absolutely nuts that we carried around all these papers and IDs with us. Bitcoin Magazine This opens up a new use case for Bitcoin that some of the shrewder observers may have seen from the beginning. Does this have the potential to transform how people see Bitcoin and its use cases? Bushner My personal feeling is absolutely. It's easy to take pot shots at Bitcoin. They look at the subset of criminality and cast that as the only use case. And then there's the energy FUD. It's destroying the planet. I think this protocol is a public good. When you have a public good that's being supported by more people and they see the benefits of it, all of that starts turning the tides of perception. As for electricity in Ion's case, I crunched the numbers and you can pack something like 10,000 operations into a single transaction. The cost of that transaction in terms of energy is like $18. If you spread that across 10,000 operations at 1,000 ops per person, this would be someone's total operations over their lifespan, it would cost something like $2 to use this DID system. That's five loads of laundry in the washer. That same amount of money gives you a DID that can circumvent surveillance capitalism, that you can send encrypted messages with, and that you can use as your digital identity for your entire life. Bitcoin Magazine Once ION goes live, what's the next step for this to take off? Bushner There are a few things. We've gotten some interest from folks who want to run the network. You could run it yourself. It's just Bitcoin plus IPFS and some processing. I think other people will drive it, but we have an authenticator app like Google's for two-factor. But we're going to add this capability and it will mint ION IDs and credentials. Wallet providers might end up using it, but to start, we will be driving credentials traffic through our servers. Bitcoin Magazine. Any other plans for Microsoft to build on Bitcoin? Bushner. Not at the moment. It's all centered around ION. All right. And again, that was a Bitcoin Magazine article. If it wasn't uh, obvious from the 100 times I said Bitcoin Magazine in that. And uh, it was titled Microsoft's ION is an open source bet on Bitcoin by Colin Harper, um, one of the uh, highest volume writers over there at Bitcoin Magazine. Like half of what I read over there seems to be his. So. Uh, a huge thanks to Bitcoin Magazine uh, for this article and, of course, Colin for the work. We're going to dive into this in just a minute. Let's go ahead and hit our sponsor, and we'll come right back. All right, so identity on the blockchain. Well, this, this technically isn't identity on the blockchain. This is its own system that is hashed to the blockchain so that um, any changes are essentially set in stone. Um, so that there's a there's a reliable chronology to um, the changes and updates to this system. But there are a lot of problems with this sort of thing. I have a really hard time. Like I'm interested in the Ion project. That's why I read this article today. Um, and uh, uh, there's actually another article on Bitcoin Magazine that kind of goes a little bit more into how it works. Um, it's another really short one, but. I'll just go over the, the general idea here just so you can kind of understand what's, what's happening. 
um because we haven't talked about this yet on the show at all um and uh a part of this like I, I worry about like how this is going to handle just like spam and like kind of ddosing and maybe that's actually what uh Butch, uh, Bushner gets to in this because I don't quite understand this comment. Where is it? About how they can put 10,000 um, operations into a transaction and if that's a thousand per thousand ops per user. Um, I'm not sure if that's like a like to create a document, like to create a, an ID on this um, network that you have to like basically do a, a micro proof of work, kind of like Hashcash, like the original use of proof of work to um, prevent spam on email and stuff. So that's a really interesting use if that's actually what's happening. But it said over the life of the um, uh, ID, over the life of the identification. So maybe that a thousand ops per person has to do with how many times it changes, how many times it updates. I don't know. I, I, I still haven't totally wrapped my head around it. But the, the general idea is there's going to be a lot of nodes, right? Everybody's going to be running a database. It's kind of like, uh, I mean, it's IPFS, you know, like people um, freely participate in this network. And I assume there's going to be some sort of micropayment um, in order to facilitate this. Um, just like they talk about, it would cost something like $2 um, uh, for at least the cost of energy um, involved with this. So I don't know how the cost is going to be split. Like there, there's an interesting economic relationship that needs to get sorted out here. Maybe it's a you know great use case for the Lightning Network because you know it's micropayments. You know you pay a nickel or you pay a dime or something to update to create your document or update it like as things go on. These nodes basically store the whole um the whole network and everything that they get as far as. Well, uh, let's talk about the creation document first. It's um, basically you have a public key. You just make a, a public private key, just like you do with all the other uh, setups and Bitcoin and everything. Uh, and you uh, get your public key into a creation document of your ID. And then you sign it with your private key, send it to a node. Um, the node takes this. They archive the metadata. Uh, it says without accessing the data itself in the article, but I not 100% sure what they mean by that um, because uh, I don't know if the data is encrypted or like in the, in the end, only a hash gets put on the Bitcoin blockchain. Like the node will take all of the, all the DIDs that it has received during, you know, some set period of time and just hashes them all together and then sticks that into an op return, which is just excess data that is not executed on or even looked at for any, you know, reasonable, like for any uh, important consensus or anything. It's just kind of arbitrary data that you can throw into a transaction. And um, uh, that allows you to just kind of create secondary things. Like you can attach other things. That's how like colored coins work and stuff is you can basically just put a, a tag in there and then you can go look at the blockchain, and even though none of the nodes really care what it is, you can you know put some information in the op return uh, space and use it for something else. Uh, that's how what is it Veriblock? I believe it is. They hash like like a ton of other like really weak um, blockchains into the Bitcoin blockchain all the time, and they actually run a lot of traffic on Bitcoin, um, which is a little bit seems 
obnoxious like if you're just hashing like you should be able to do that with very very little um uh data you know like there's no reason for them to actually have a big volume but whatever um so so these ion nodes they they batch all of these things um and get their their reference hashes and they slap them into a transaction and post it to the bitcoin blockchain and this is done at like some regular schedule or after they get so many ids you know however they choose to do it but in this system they don't really have to worry about double spins or anything like all they need is the order of the changes and the bitcoin blockchain basically takes care of the rest um it's actually really it's the simplest and easiest way particularly if the network itself is just being funded is just kind of like a decentralized service in some way with you know micropayments um it's a great way to actually leverage the bitcoin blockchain without a using a ton of data which as Bushner says, like, like I love that when he's like talking about this, he's like, you know, we have to do this on the scale. We're trying to build something that can scale to 1.5 billion people that everybody can have their ID um, uh, in this system. So, uh, you know, like the fact that it can actually do that and it can still leverage some of the amazing power of the Bitcoin system by basically creating an order of operations um, of the DID database, the the identification database that um that sounds like a panopticon it sounds terrible but <laughs> uh they can basically do it just by you know leveraging bitcoin just by stamping it right into bitcoin and then if bitcoin can't be undone well then neither can this the the current valid state of the database now i love that when bushner talks about like how they were trying to decide um they just went with a strictly numbers game they just looked at all of these projects and they looked at bitcoin and took just like a sheer by the numbers thing and just said i mean look it's going to cost this amount of money to attack this thing that seems incredibly unlikely and in comparison to all of the other networks clearly this is top dog and uh i love that it's just like a flat like nope it just it, this this is all about security this is all about having an independent um, ID, and uh, Bitcoin is the only one that has that, that has those guarantees, that has those assurances. Um, again, you know, that is the thing that we are leveraging with Bitcoin, independence and security. But I am immediately skeptical about how on earth we're going to tie documentation and verification to this like who's really storing this because in the it doesn't really say it says that the ion the node excuse me the ion node archives the metadata in this the other article about it without accessing the data itself as a did document for other nodes to reference um to set the ownership of the did in stone the node batches uh adds to op return etc etc so how any of the actual documents I, I still don't quite see if if anybody is just jumping up here and grabbing a decentralized identity um outside of persistence like like the fact that the id would stay around and so you could have i guess it's maybe circular like maybe it's part of 
as other institutions become trusted and they have their persistent ID on the database, that they then are stamping the metadata or, or signing the metadata of someone else's DID that, yes, they got this certification with, you know, the Linux Foundation or something like that, or uh, this is a Microsoft certification, and I'm using here with the Microsoft DID, I have signed the metadata of uh, Guy's DID that says uh, he has certification for blah, 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 Windows Server, whatever. So maybe that's kind of what they're getting at, but I'm I'm just curious about the verification and like how how all of this stuff is going to somehow tie together. And then obviously the massive, massive problem of what happens if you lose your private key? What happens if you get hacked? How are these things going to be handled? Um and uh clearly there's Luckily, luckily, like Bitcoin is the one that's actually leading the way in that sort of technology is is changing the way our hardware works, changing the way we think about how open our devices are, whether it's our phone, our computer or, you know, a hardware wallet like um, and, you know, I've heard this said a number of times and I've said it a couple of times that I think Bitcoin and the crypto economy, like, like this new ecosystem that's being built is going to be a hardware revolution as much as it is as it is a software revolution because we like like you can't manage this on a mobile phone you know like like something needs to be different um and the way it is signed for needs to be secure because you could as soon as we have persistent identification like persistent ids across all services um and uh online for you know large portions of our life hacking could literally destroy people's lives um and it's bad enough right now to have you know all your crypto stolen having your bank information stolen your identity stolen um and and that sort of thing like imagine identity theft in that world i mean how do you even get that back you know like like what what do you do? You go back to all the companies that you start a new ID and go back to all the companies that gave you certifications or graduate degrees or blah, 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 and get them to re-sign, like prove you're who you are. But we all use IDs. Maybe you went to the school online and all you did was use your ID. So I, I don't know. There's huge problems there. Um, and that's just maybe me being a, uh, a negative Nancy about just decentralized id in general um like you know having a pseudonym like or, or not a pseudonym uh, a, a public key like a pgp key um uh, like lightning or whatever like i think there is certainly something to that and maybe this would be a situation where like you know you're like if it's that easy to create an id maybe it would make sense that you know everybody would have three or four you have like this community gets this id the legacy economy sees this id like because people like separation like i personally do i separate emails and stuff like that to make sure that i just don't get flooded with crap and i can just kind of switch gears based on what i want to do or what kind of uh topic i'm covering of course i'm just lost in bitcoin now so i don't do anything else but i don't know there's just a lot of hiccups with this sort of a system that i'm very very curious like i would love to pick their brain about uh all the adversarial conditions that this sort of a system would run into now there's a uh there's a couple of quotes i wanted to go over here 
Um, first one is, quote, from Bushner. Bitcoin is important, but decentralized ID could be more important. Who needs decentralized money if, with the stroke of a pen, they can cut you off from the proofs you need to board an airplane? End quote. Hold the phone, Daniel. Hold the phone. How dare you? How dare you say anything is more important than decentralized sound money? You are wrong. <laughs> but serious. Uh, yeah, no, decentralized ID is not more important than uh, Bitcoin. And in fact, uh, Lightning and Bitcoin essentially have a form of um, uh, non-verifiable, I guess you could say, in the sense that there's no real connection to uh, the real world, unless, you know, people started integrating uh, private key signatures into actual documents and actual certifications um, and then timestamp them into the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, a decentralized ID is just a public key. Um, and obviously, to actually be used by the masses, this needs to be much more user-friendly. There needs to be something much more robust and standardized, something that we can rely on. That's why I think there is actually a lot of potential in some sort of a system like this. And why I'm, I'm still very curious, um, with all the caveats and all the, my default concerns with it, but decentralized ideas is very important. I, I totally agree with that, that it would be a great thing to actually solve that problem if you could maintain your privacy, if uh, it can stand up against, you know, DDoS and spammers and all of that store stuff, and uh, if there is, you know, uh, some sort of a real kind of, really a fundamental change in some way about how we manage keys. Um, and, I mean, in my mind, trying to teach people or... Um, get people to change their habits to keep Bitcoin keys safe seems like a difficult enough problem. And hopefully, hopefully we'll actually solve this and, you know, this will be something that actually gets sorted out. Um, but that is a hurdle, you know. But the problem with uh, Bushner's example, um, which I never actually really uh, clarified, um, was uh, would, what, what if, uh, you know, who needs decentralized money if with the stroke of a pen they can cut you off from the proofs you need to board an airplane? Uh, well, having a decentralized ID doesn't really prevent that. Like, that's a, a physical location and market problem. Like, they can still blacklist your ID. Um, in fact, if that's your only ID, like, the fact that it's decentralized doesn't mean they can't prevent you from boarding an airplane if the airplane is in the jurisdiction that they control. So I think there's a lot of benefit to decentralized ID, but uh, not, not so much with that example, I think. Then there's uh, another quote, uh, again, the one talking about the 10,000 operations um, into a single transaction. Uh, again, that one's still just not something I, I totally understand. So I guess I won't expand on it, really, since I, don't, I have no idea what he's talking about, to be perfectly honest, about the, what the operations are or 1,000 per person operations. Um, it, it, again, it says this would be someone's total operations over their lifespan. So maybe it's changes to the metadata, changes to the document that's being signed. Um, but uh, that it would cost something like $2 per their estimation to you know, keep this thing moving and updated. Um, 
that that same will quote that same amount of money gives you a DID that can circumvent surveillance capitalism that you can send encrypted messages with and that you can use as your digital identity for your entire life. End quote. So if uh, if you could manage that and you could still, uh, you know, you could sign with. Um, still maintaining privacy, if this would allow you to prove documents without revealing those documents, if you could, um, like, like if I could prove that I got a Microsoft certification to someone and didn't even have to reveal the certification, I just revealed that I had Microsoft's DID signature on a statement and then a hash of a document, which they don't need to check if the metadata that Microsoft hashed is accurate. Um, well, then they trust Microsoft's signature that I have a Microsoft certification. You know, I would have had to hack uh, uh, Microsoft to get them to sign my DID. Uh, so that's actually a really interesting concept, and I hope that they're taking something like that into consideration because I think privacy, just in the idea of... Like, there's no reason to constantly share all of our data. We can prove that that sort of data is there. We can prove that... Like, I could get... Uh, you know, a social security number and then get signed with the social security office on my DID and uh, then uh, uh, sign with the, I don't know, SEC or whatever for some, you know, right to invest in certain instruments or some crap, you know, whatever the hell restriction they want to put on me that I have to get permission for. I could get a signature for that and then uh, just show the signature on a hash without revealing any of the documents, without revealing any of like who I am um, uh, explicitly to an exchange. And that exchange knows that the SEC is cool with it. Uh, Social Security says I'm a real person and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, so, so there's, there's a massive potential there that really could solve so many of the privacy problems without even collapsing like the regulatory structure that is currently around everything that has constantly failed us and you know, you know maybe at my disappointment but you know i'm i'm willing to entertain all options um and uh, something like this could certainly live alongside the tor version of it and probably most certainly will if this thing is open source um uh if there is some sort of restriction if there is some sort of uh, surveillance or whatever in this, maybe in the nodes that other people are running or something like that. I could easily see this uh, getting its own, uh, its its high privacy version. Um, if you know the first is not quite built right, and that's kind of one of the things that, like, I gotta say, I gotta give kudos to Microsoft for um, working on open source stuff for the role it's had in building out and working on Linux. Um, and, and I like this, uh, like Colin actually opens the article this way is that, um, you know, sometimes private, sometimes open source or a lot of times open source gets a lot of benefit from private companies. Um, and it's really cool to see, uh, somebody in this position, like a company in this position, trying to build out something like this and seeming to really have the the right ethos, at least have the right idea in mind and ready to have this thing scale and see that it's just something that they can benefit from if it exists um, and that they could make use cases and services from their company 
that they really couldn't create otherwise that needs that bootstrapping phase of a decentralized identity of, of an actual persistent online identity. So it's really cool to see them actually try to make this happen um, and that they're doing it on the Bitcoin system. Uh, so it'd be perfectly honest, really kudos to those guys. And there's been a number of people like, like Square uh, has recently, you know, um, put a lot of investment into just open source development with some Lightning and Bitcoin developers, which is awesome uh, and is basically just kind of given them the run and just said, you know, do what you want. It's just really good to see um, businesses get involved in helping to push this thing forward and that they chose to work on Bitcoin and for the right reasons too, because Bitcoin is the secure one. So, all right. Anyway, uh, we've already gone super long with this one. So a thank you uh, to Colin Harper for writing this, uh, Daniel Bushner for um, uh, doing the interview, Microsoft Ion, and of course, Bitcoin Magazine and the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network. Um, these guys are amazing, and there's a reason why I read Bitcoin Magazine all the time and always have. Uh, and I actually just got out to just check on my original copies of the magazines that I got when they first dropped. Bitcoin Magazine has just been around forever, and they are, they are one of my totems. I would be devastated if anything happened to Bitcoin Magazine, and I am so excited about Bitcoin 2020. Um, so... Uh, thank you to all of those guys and their amazing network for the work and the content that they put out for everybody, um, myself included, so I get to read it all. On that note, don't forget to get your tickets for Bitcoin 2020. We are less than a month away, guys. It is right around the corner. If you haven't gotten it yet, you got to. You can find that at Bitcoin2020Conference.com. Uh, and in fact, the next uh, ticket price increase is in one day and two hours. Um, and that'll probably be one day and one hour when I get this published. So you're losing time just because you didn't listen to this the second it came out. So make sure you do that. Uh, you get $50 off when purchased with Bitcoin. And if you listened to the episode with CK about Bitcoin 2020, offer code CK will get you another discount. Don't tell nobody. That's a secret for you guys. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, I love you all. Uh, don't forget if you want to be, uh, if you want to support the show, uh, become a patron or uh, donate and DM me if you want to uh, jump in the Crypto Economy crew after you do. The entire collection of stuff that we have read is at thecryptoeconomy.com. So definitely check it out if you haven't. There's an ocean of audio up there for you. I'm Guy Swan. I'm out. Till tomorrow. Take it easy, guys.